When I was 24 years old, I first read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And one of the ideas presented in this book is the idea of writing a mission statement. And within this mission statement, you are clearly identifying what your end goal is and you're attaching that to a greater vision and you're attaching that to a tangible and a real timeline. And I remember at the age of 24, I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia. This is my like first two months out of college. And I'm in this sales role, inside sales, and each and every single day what I'm doing is I'm picking up this phone and I'm dialing 80 times, 100 times, 120 times. I even had a 200 call day where I literally dialed a phone number 200 times. So I could potentially have the chance to pitch a product so that I could convert someone to saying yes. And what I became obsessed with during this time was the idea of becoming phenomenally wealthy. I wanted to become rich. And I thought to myself, what's going to be the best way to become rich? Well, I don't quite have the answers. So I'm going to go try to figure out the people that do have the answers. And I stumbled across a guy named Napoleon Hill. And again, he was actually an early philosopher and writer of 20th century, uh, I, I would say success. So he was Tony Robbins before Tony Robbins. He was Joel Osteen before Joel Osteen without maybe the gospel, although he was a religious man. And I read this book, Think and Grow Rich. And at the age of 24, I wrote down on that paper, by the time I'm 30, I will have made $10 million doing XYZ linked to this big vision. And 24, maybe I was 23, I was 23. 23, I turned to 24. And from 23 to 24, I'm working on these selling skills. But what I'm recognizing is from 23 to 24, my selling skills, they're not that good. And I say that humbly, and I say that also in the sense of recognizing that I was trying to improve each and every single day. You know, my selling skill is maybe I would stumble when I would speak. Maybe I wasn't clear enough with my question. Maybe I wasn't presenting an idea in a clear enough way that someone would say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And also, I want five more of those. Maybe I wasn't doing that. And maybe I'm still working on those things nowadays. By the way, I am. And I remember thinking to myself how discouraged I was at age 25 that two years after writing down this mission statement, I was maybe, I don't know, $2,000 to my 10 million. <laughs> I was a long, long way off from realizing that $10 million. And it made me realize a lot of things. It honestly, for me, I was also looking at my own life and trying to figure out what my own value system was. And what I found was, and here's kind of a side point is, I am after extraordinary wealth. I'm after a wealth so extreme and so vast that you know the seven princes, the seven kings, the finest jewels, the finest crowns, they don't compare to it. But I've also recognized that maybe the wealth and the riches I'm pursuing aren't always in the material in the monastic sense or the money sense. You know, I would say in some senses, money is a poor man's currency. And that isn't to say, hey man, I wouldn't love to have 10 million bucks in my bank account right now. Promise you, I would. And I'm sure that the same, I'm sure that the exact same is true for you. Because money itself, and this is 
Such a cliche thing to say. I know it is. Bear with me. Money can't make you happy. Money just solves problems. Money helps to remove barriers that those barriers oftentimes can cause you hardship or unpleasantness. But money is never going to actually be able to satisfy you, to be able to fulfill you. You know, they say in the Bible that the love for money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love for. It's not money. Money isn't the issue. It's the love of money. And what I recognize is that maybe my value system was misaligned. And so 25, 26, I'm recognizing that, hey, this 10 million bucks right now, it isn't quite getting closer. And I actually don't know if I'm on the right trajectory to getting closer to realizing that goal. And also, I'm not sure if I even want to realize that goal. And that was another tough look in the mirror of just saying, who am I really? Because we live in a world nowadays that's showing us all these images about what we're supposed to be, about how we're supposed to live. And we're saying to ourselves, how come this world that lives outside of us isn't mirroring what's happening inside of me? How come the soul that I have inside isn't always lining up with the soul that the world is telling me to have? And that causes unhappiness. And that causes strife. And that causes for us to lose faith in ourself and our society and what it is that we do. And I try to bring it back home and I try to make the point of what was I chasing at 25? What was I chasing at 23? What was the value system that I was after? By the way, I isn't me. I is you. My story, my voice, the things that I say I know are indicative of a lot of the challenges that 99.99% of working Americans face. What we all want is to be prosperous. We want to, have, we want to equate our prosperity to financial success, to relational success, to our career success. And we're looking at where we're at at 23, at 25, 26, 27, going on 28, and we're saying, why isn't it getting closer? Why don't I feel closer to it right now? You know, I think if you've ever tried to start a business, you know, that first year, you get your teeth kicked in. You get your absolute teeth kicked in. I'm telling you this as someone who's gotten their teeth kicked in. By the way, I failed. I failed multiple, multiple times. I still haven't been able to succeed in building a long-term successful viable business. I haven't been able to do it yet. And I say that in admitting that building a successful business is built upon having a skill set that allows you to build a business. You know, I wanted $10 million in my mind, but I didn't have a skill set that would allow for me to obtain that. And I'm 23, I'm 25, I'm 27, and the progressions keep happening. And I'm looking at this timeline saying, where is it? Why isn't it happening? It's not happening soon enough. And I'm recognizing for myself that my failures, my inability to be able to obtain what it is that I want, that you want, it's not out of a lack of ability per se. It's just that right now, maybe you don't have the right skill set. Maybe you don't have everything that you need to be able to make $10 million, that you need to make $1 million. And that is the fundamental in the critical juncture that I see people quitting. 
you know, they say to themselves, I'm not closer now than what I was a year ago. Maybe I've got a few more skills, but I'm still not closer. In fact, my bank account took a few steps back. It did. I'm not closer. And that discourages people. And the lack of immediacy is what is discouraging for most people. And what discourages us, we walk away from. Because let's face it, things that don't feel good, we want less of. Learning new skills initially is incredibly difficult because why? Because we haven't done it. We don't have a rote memory of exactly how it's supposed to go. We're in a process of accumulation. To accumulate, you must be able to hold. You gotta think about this like sand on the beach. You know, we're trying to hold the sand on the beach. But what happens when that sand is real fine? It's real fine. And there's a strong breeze. And maybe your fingers are, you know, outstretched. They're not clasped together. That sand, it falls out of our hand. And so what we're trying to actually do is build a proverbial cup within our hand. And we want that sand to be firm. We want that sand to be almost clay-like in its density. We don't want that sand to be super fine because if that sand is super fine, then it's easily going to slip through our fingers. That's kind of like what the skill set is at the beginning. It's you trying to figure out how to hold all the sand, but that sand, that sand is quickly going away. But you'll find out that as you get better at a certain skill set, at a certain group of attributes that you must be able to institute into your life so that you can externalize into the world outside of you, when you get to that point, you know, that year one, that year two, that year three, that year five, that year 10, all those multiplicative years where you are working on those skill sets, they become exponential. And they become exponential in the sense that, you know what? Maybe at age 23, I didn't have all the skills I was working on. It. Maybe at age 25, I didn't have all the skills, but I was working on them. And I wasn't letting the fact that I wasn't very good at them get in the way of me not doing them. In fact, I knew that and I still know is that if I ever actually want to accomplish anything, if you ever want to actually accomplish anything, you've got to be comfortable. You have got to accept that you're not going to be very good. You've got to accept it. You've got to embrace it. You've got to recognize that that is the challenge. People always visualize, I always visualize $10 million. That's what you visualize. But let me tell you what you're missing. You're missing the skill. You're missing that day in and day out progression of finding minute areas that you can improve in so that you can ultimately realize the vision. How do you run 26.2 miles? You run one mile. That's how you do it. You run one mile 26 times and then you do another point two. That's how you do it. How do you run one mile? You run three-fourths of a mile. You run half a mile. You run a quarter mile. That's how you do it. How do you go from running one mile in 10 minutes to running that same mile in 10 minutes to nine minutes, 50 seconds? Okay, maybe we change up how the shoelace is tied. Maybe we run a little bit faster during the half minute mark or the half mile mark for 300 meters. That's how we do it. Gradual improvements. We're taking our base understanding, our base level of action figuring out and assessing where we stand right now at this exact moment. And what we're doing is we are improving upon it. 
How do you run a sub 90 minute 13.1 mile run? If you can run a sub 90 minute 13.1 mile run, let me tell you this. You are in the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of runners, of people that walk this earth. It is that rare to be able to replicate that type of feat, that athletic feat over 13.1 miles. And there is a way to be able to do it, but it's a gradual process. The discouragement, it's going to tell you to sit out. Your failures, your repeated failures, they're going to tell you that you're not good enough. You're not talented enough. You're not skilled enough. You've got to be stubborn enough to recognize that, you know what? Maybe I'm lacking the skills right now. Maybe I'm lacking the ability. But that's not going to discourage me. In fact, that's what's going to motivate me to move forward. And when you make that fundamental switch of recognizing that the things that should be holding you back, aka your lack of skill and ability, and when you recognize that the challenge isn't that end place, that $10 million, that sub three hour marathon, that the challenge itself is figuring out how to actually just improve from the previous day, that's when it gets a little bit easier because you're not thinking about the big picture. You're not worried about how am I going to make this massive thing happen? You're just worried about it. Not worried, but you're just thinking about how can I be slightly better? What's one thing I could do slightly different? That would cause for improvement. And then here's the thing. You go do that improvement. You go try that thing out and you see if it leads to a better result. And if it leads to a better result, rinse and repeat. You do more of it. And then once you do more of it, you'll figure out that your baseline threshold of understanding your baseline threshold of skill is going to increase. That's what we're doing. We're walking up the skill steps. You got to walk up the steps. You can't go from step one to step 10. It's step one. It's step two. It's step three. It's step four. It's step five. Step six. Step seven. Step eight. Step nine. Step 10. Our society has disoriented us. Our culture has disoriented us. Our peers, our schools, our religions have disoriented us. You've got to follow the truth. If you want to know what peace is, if you want to live within wisdom, you've got to follow the truth. You've got to seek the truth with your entire heart, with your entire heart.